Coming up on the Naughtiest Naughty. Way more impressive than anything I was doing when I was 15. What were you doing at 15? You don't want to know because I think that I would get arrested. Last week, Blink-182 and Chicane threatened the crown. All Saints and NSYNC are still victorious. It was a very, very strong week, wasn't it? It was very tough. A very tough week. And I think that everything kind of changed and the whole framework of what we were trying to do was questioned last week. And we now have Mm. gone back to realising anything could win an episode, anything could win the overall crown. Can I just say, first of all, off the bat, last week we mentioned that at the end of the episode, I may have made a mistake not choosing all the the small things as opposed to pure shows. Uh Uh-huh. I've felt that this week. I have I've felt guilt ridden. There's been messages and there's, there's been people talking to us saying, I can't believe you didn't choose it. And like, what are you doing? And I'm like, you know what? You might be right. You might be right. So I might need to make amends today somehow. I'm sorry, Blink-182, you, 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 you're, in the, you're in the dust. But I will avenge your death. It's not like you didn't say it wasn't awesome or anything like that, but it's a difficult, no. it is a difficult one. It's difficult. Yeah, I did admit it was really, really tough, but we'll have to see what happens. I am very sorry to blink on it too. Yeah. Anyway, uh, lots of people getting in touch. We'll get to some of those in just a second. Um, I wouldn't normally do this and like blow my own horn, but it is my birthday today as we record Happy this. Happy birthday to you. Thank you, you very much. your hands and singing to yourself for 20 seconds at a time. Uh, you know what? I haven't. Of all the times <laughs> I should be doing that, it should be today really, but it's a bit weird if you sing Happy Birthday to yourself. Would I need to like follow my flatmate into the kitchen while they do it? And I go, thank you very much. Yeah, great, thanks. Yeah, the difficulty is if there's nobody there with you, then what you've done is you've actively set your phone up, set it to record while you're at your sink, <laughs> you know, so that's a bit weird. Whereas my wife held mine's when I did it a few weeks back. We were talking about birthday number ones a little while ago, weren't we? Because yours, we thought yours was Nana and 99 Red Balloons. 99 Red Balloons, yes. 99 Red Balloons, but according to what we found online, it's actually Lionel Richie. Hello. Hello. Is it me you're looking for? Yeah, so if you go by the original, the official charts, that's what it says. If you try buy anything off any of the sites that predetermine your birthday, it then gives me Nana and all of the merchandise that I own from people buying me stuff is 99 Red Balloons. Mm. And I want it to be 99 Red Balloons because of I love the song and kind of a scene from Scrubs. So... I wonder how that's gone wrong somewhere down the line. I'm really confused by that, but um, 99 Red Balloons is a massive tune. Like, I think you just have to accept that that's what it is, even if it isn't. Yeah, I'm just going with it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Do you okay. know what mine is, by any chance? Um, yours is going to be class, isn't it? Because what it is year class. were you born then? 1996. Right. That was a brilliant year. There is very little shit that year. Mm. And because you've brought it up and you haven't skipped past it, I'm thinking that it's class. What is it? I mean, it totally encapsulates me as a person. Like, if you could think <laughs> of a song that sums me up, it has to be this one. Uh, Firestarter by The Prodigy. <laughs> <laughs> 
this is an absolute tune. This Isn't is a it? class birthday number one. And, you know, I knew you were a pyromaniac the first time that I met yeah. you. So, you know, congratulations to you. I came out of the you. womb with horns. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's weird. Weird. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, let's get some voice notes. We've had one from Dan, who's got a very nice question for us. Hi, Liam and Scott. Loving the show. Listen to all these early noughties. Tracks is making me feel very nostalgic for the 2000s. Music aside, what is the one thing you're most nostalgic for in that decade? Ooh, very good question. Very mm. good question indeed. Scott, I'll let you go first. Oh, oh, this is difficult because, you know, I was at this point 16. So whenever you're 16, life's kind of brilliant, really. You know, you've got friendship groups, you've got music being chucked at you, you've got pocket money for CDs, you've got everything. For Christmas when I was 14, I had researched and researched through all the Argos catalogs, gone into every music store that I could, and I eventually got my Iowa NSXS 707 three disc multi-changer hi-fi which had the best speakers that you could do at the time um unless you went into like really expensive sony stuff but mm. i loved that had had it for years brought it to university had a party it bounced it was so loud it bounced <laughs> off the shelf that it was on and it smashed and i've got it and i'm still oh, looking no. for specific parts of it but i will get that working one day but it throws me back to my amazing hi-fi that i absolutely loved and it was so brilliant loved mm. it that sounds good. That's a nice memory. It's it's a, it's a long-standing thing that carried you through your adolescent years. So I loved yeah. it. My favorite thing ever. I think for me, I know I've mentioned it a lot before that I missed the kids' TV, and unfortunately, I'm going to have to feed the stereotype because I think for me, it is it is just the fact that I was just I love kids' TV. I still see some stuff on YouTube now that kind of makes me nostalgic. It was a lot of like SMTV and that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. gr- growing up as a kid, like from about two or three year old, I wanted to be a kids' TV presenter, um, yeah. and I think part of me and my brain still does even if the thought of it makes me a little bit queasy i would love for them to bring something like that there back smtv and cd uk mm. i loved live and kicking so i was a live and kicking person more mm. than a uh, smtv person but that was because smtv didn't exist when i started live and kicking and it was right. cemented in there but yeah loved it loved it loved it kids tv awesome stuff in it, it's 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 difficult to watch back now because it, some of it hasn't aged very well some of it's quite dated there's some kind of like prehistoric attitudes towards sexuality and women and that kind of thing but you know yeah. what it was a different time we can't judge because nobody thought any different anyway it's no. a bit strange we've also had one from jordan now i really like this one because i think we've left quite an impact on him hopefully others have had the same sort of thing happen to them i think people are changing the way they think about pop music Ooh, i've always thought music was about you know you get so often get asked like what music are you into and like i'm into this i'm into that and like i love this genre and that genre and this artist and that artist and it's and 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 as you get into what we do it does become more and more about you know more niche genres and more maybe underground artists or whatever you know but it, it Basically, it becomes cool to listen to shit no one's heard of, basically. And I guess what your podcast has made me realise is that I, I just never really thought... I always thought that pop music was really, like, shallow, you know? And that pop music was all about being popular and appealing to the masses and, and it all being very surface level. And, and and therefore, if you like that kind of stuff, you know, you, you, almost your surface level and, and your shallow and, and blah, blah, blah. And I guess Naughtiest Naughty has kind of made me realise that isn't the case at all. Like, it's called popular reason it's sometimes popular because yeah it's just kind of manufactured but sometimes it is popular because it's just so good everyone loves it and I'm sitting here sitting here listening to the new Dua Lipa album and I just would not in a million years sit and listen 
to this if it wasn't for your podcast making me reevaluate my expectations and just be less of a wanker about music I guess so I just wanted to say thank you I really like that that's a really that's a good take hot take that's really interesting and that's kind of like you know what 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 I'd wanted to do was really just like open people's minds with this whole thing really mm. and you know a lot of people like what they class as good music because they convince themselves to or they had a parent chucking it down their throat going you must listen to the Beatles you must listen to the Ramones you must listen to Oasis and you know nothing about that process is organic and nothing is true discovery but there's such an important part that being handed down musical taste plays but mm. I wanted to just open people's minds who are snobby about pop music and are really anti-Britney and anti Christina and all of those things but uh, yeah that's brilliant that's really good thank you so much Jordan for that mm. and as he says there the new Dua Lipa album is absolutely brilliant like it is it's one of the best pop albums of oh man forever it's so good Giddy's Disco's I, I, back right now yeah but it's it's 80s Disco but she's done new things with it like it's such a mm-hmm. it's such a weird transformative mix of stuff like I'm so so impressed by it anyway thanks Jordan for that keep them coming in and we've got one from Adam who's been in touch before as well and uh, has some observations on last week's tracks hi Liam and Scott it's Adam again a great episode last week some great tracks a fan of pretty much all of them except the Jerry Halliwell song Bag It Up which is a rip off of Boogie Nights by Heatwave or Baby Wipes as it's known by Mamie Mates um, track of the episode that stands out for me is definitely The Time Is Now by Maloko uh, first bass line I ever learned on the bass guitar played it on repeat in my house over and over I must have done my parents mad um, and the way you spoke about the strings they are fantastic um, I had to learn this huge guitar piece um, with all the guitarists in the school we were all learning it for like an end of year concert back in 2005 so one guitar was playing the melody one the chords uh, one the riff one the violin strings I was doing the bass obviously um, it was fucking epic honestly um, and to top it off it was the tune played on Super Sunday on Sky Sports and on Sky Sports News so brought a whole other level of excitement to the track for me uh, the build up to the game and the build up in that song went so well together with a big day of football um, it's not the naughtiest naughty but a great track that brings back some great memories for me didn't really Realize Jerry was a, a rip-off of Boogie Nights by Heatwave, really. I've had to listen back. We'll, we'll play a little bit here so you can get what get what he's going for. Boogie Nights, bag it up. That's kind of what I think it is. Yeah. There's not okay. much. I, th- I think it's okay to take a little... It's okay to take a certain melody. Um, mm-hmm. It might not even... I think I feel like a lot of things that sound similar to other things are just so subconscious. Like, you might be listening to that track, like, years ago, and then you're in the recording studio and you go, oh, that's a good little hook, that. And then you don't realise where it's come from, but it's come from somewhere. Like, you haven't just thought of this amazing hook, you've just accidentally stolen it but or maybe it was yeah. totally maybe it was totally on purpose we'll never know I don't think never that's know. a Jerry kind of a thing they were meticulous in making sure that they made the most of their money and things were as original as possible but mm. I love his story about the bass guitar like that's just yeah. class to think that your first track that you learn to play is Maloko that's it's class. brilliant it's absolutely brilliant mm-hmm. I want to go to school that sounds like a good school I'm going around Adams for a play on his bass guitar oi <laughs> <laughs> oi and I will mention as well that the uh, the Maloko track the time is now. I had it in my notes to talk about the fact it was on Sky Sports all the time. And I didn't mention it. I don't know why. I just forgot. Um, and I've been bollocked all week for not mentioning it by fellow football fans <laughs> like me who are like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't say it was from Sky Sports. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm sorry. But there you go. I'm saying it now. It was it was very special. Like as a football fan, hearing that song with that bit that I mentioned of the pause before the last 
magic. Yeah. Absolute magic. It's yeah. it's no Will Griggs on fire though, is it? But it's good. Will, Will Grigg who? I'm not even sure. Uh, you shush. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shall we, shall we get into this week's pop tunes then? I think we're going to have to. It is such a good one. So coming up, Oasis are back. We've got another massive Mancunian artist, some classic trance. But first, let's start with a massive UK garage battle. Let's get into it. Right then, so this will have been my number one on my birthday when I was four. These two tracks were number one and number two. We're going to go into Sweet Female Attitude and Flowers next. But first, this track was number one. Big Garage hit, the debut solo single from Craig David, Fill Me In. This was such a big deal for him to have got this debut number one. Yeah. So to give this a bit of perspective, we're going to start straight with Spice Girls Chit Chatter because that's what oh I do. God, here we go. Wanna be, wanna be went in at number three the first week. Mm. Did you know that? I didn't know that. No. So. But the reason being is it was released halfway through the week, so it only had three days, and it got to number three, which means it was a number one. But Craig David statistically had a number one as a debut when the Spice Girls' Wannabe, one of the biggest songs in the history yeah. of pop music, went in at number three. Mm. So, like, that's to position Craig David. This was such a huge, huge debut track. Of course, we've already covered Craig on this on the first episode of this program with Artful Dodger and Re Rewind. This track is his debut solo single, but it is written and produced by Mark Hill of Artful Dodger. So it still has that same mm-hmm. vibe carrying through. But this is very much having not been credited in the first track that they did, now he's front and centre and he's gone straight in number one. Yeah. And that shows what a powerhouse name he has been for the the, the entire the last twenty years, let's face it. Really? So I think the last time whenever we spoke of them, we said that the Artful Dodger track cemented Garage in society. Mm. This one just started to really build on it, especially this this top two at this time, because what you had is fundamentally you had two Garage number ones. You know, you had a Garage number one and a Garage number two. Mm. That was pretty insane. But, you know, the tempo of this song is great. Yeah. The story within it yeah. is brilliant. Uh, and we, we really just needed at the time in 2000 what we were actually missing from the music sector is a solo star mm. we needed a solo meal mm. and you know what would have been really obvious was to bring out some guy singing love songs and to have somebody like an Enrique Iglesias come and do the thing mm. but no we had CAF Craig David doing his thing spitting bars singing some songs over the top of Garage Big Up London Massive that whole thing was just like pretty pretty class yeah. really great times only listening to it this time did I really realise the full extent of what it was about and just how deep the story goes like it's not just a sort of throwaway See, track it's actually really really layered yeah. and clever I'm, I'm fascinated by it See, this episode is an interesting one because this episode is jam-packed full of songs with stories like this mm. where, you know, sometimes you can l- sing and learn a whole pop song where you don't act, you know all the words, but you don't know what they mean. You've never thought about them. And maybe that's why pop music's so good sometimes because you can 
rhyme out some lyrics when you're singing in the car and you don't realise that you've actually said all of the words and you've never really related to them. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Craig David era, this stuff was, um, hold on a second, why am I listening to this story? Oh my God, hold on a second, he's creeping about a house. Oh my God, he's getting off with a neighbour. Oh my God, the mum and dad don't like him. All relatable things, yeah. but like the soul of it, the flow of it. He's credible. It's a truthful story. There's just so much reality in it. Apart from, it's obviously unrelatable to me because parents love me, but that was just like so interesting and every time I remember at the time every time you heard this on the radio you discovered new lyrics yeah. in it yeah, because yeah, you were yeah. listening so hard to it to hear what bits of the story you haven't really seen and the same for watching it on the music channels you just kind of kept kept watching it really yeah I think particularly those bridges into the chorus are just jam packed with juicy lyrics they're just jam packed with interesting like vocal combinations like just the way he uses his mouth and his tongue to like fit certain bars Mm -hmm. in I just think it's great it's a really well written song I I was looking at the Wikipedia entry and just sort of getting as much goss and as juice as much as possible before I started delving in even further and I saw the term helicopter parenting which is what this is described as it's a thing where it's it's a technique of parenting where you're just constantly hovering over your child as much as possible to you never ever out of their sight you always know what they're doing 100 uh-huh. of the time um and i think it's a, it's it that's that's what this song is about it's it's a different kind of subject matter for a track where there's so many songs about just pure love this is kind of like a little offshoot it feels like a little mm-hmm. like a little thing that comes as part of the relationship that isn't really like a main thing but very much an important part of a relationship uh-huh. parents can be overbearing it can be a difficult time when you're trying to like you know get down and get freaky or whatever and you've got parents kind of like trying to find out what they were up to as craig says yeah yeah and there was me thinking helicopter and was the present that i give my wife whenever i'm in a tile post shower but there you go new information the video for i'm it, just right, gonna stay me, quiet i'm not was, I'm, I'm not gonna dignify that with a response <laughs> um it can cause a draft but um she uh <laughs> Don't flatter yourself, come on. But this was really important. The music video was really important for Pirate Radio because mm. what you see him is you see him on London Pirate Radio being introduced to the underground scene. Yeah. But I remember whenever I watched this video when I was 16, I remember thinking, is is are, are people dancing on the street with ghetto blasters? Is that really what London's like? And it was such a stereotype that had been put into my head from music videos at this time. And then the next year, my sister wanted me to fit a kitchen and she lived in London. So she came and collected me at the airport with my mate Simon and a bunch of tools, which looked pretty dodgy to be coming <laughs> through an airport with, actually. Mm. But we then, the first part of London where we got into a bit of suburbia, the first thing, and this is no word of a lie, the first thing I saw was a group of kids on a street corner actually dancing to garage music. And it's like, <laughs> Oh, maybe this is this is what people do in England. This yeah. is very fascinating. Yeah. And then now I live in the northeast of England and realise that it was like kind of children of the night all the way. Loved yeah, it. yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but I can't hear this track or hear Craig, you know, doing his lyrics without hearing Jack. You, where are you now? Because of that track that he did on Radio One, they got him back oh, yeah. into the fame. All I can hear is the. I mean, it's a shame because the Jack You track is like. It's nowhere near as rich in terms of production as what Artful Dodger mm-hmm. have done for this. This is kind of like, I mean, this Jack U yeah. thing, it's Skrillex, isn't it? So it's just like bleeps and bloops. Yeah, yeah. Not nothing wrong with bleeps and bloops, but certainly Artful Dodger production is kind of a lot more, oh, I'm digging a hole here. Yeah, I'm digging a hole. I don't, want, I, don't, I don't want to put anything down. I don't want to slag anything <laughs> off. But um, yeah, the, 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 this was a big part of Craig David's revival back into the mainstream. So he has a lot to thank that that Radio 1 session for but I think just the power of that track absolutely was always going to bring him back like all you need to do is hear that track again for the first time in a little while and you go how do we let this guy slip through our fingers like why why do we let this guy get purged out of society when he should have been here all this time and I know he, he kind of was but he was outcast for a while because of 
of both select like we said but yeah this track for me is so timeless and so full of life and full of joy that i've got a difficult decision to make this week i'm saying that now i've got a tough choice really tough choice you're probably not of the age where you watched who wants to be a millionaire in the noughties but did you know the scandal with craig david and who wants to be a millionaire no so with who wants to be a millionaire in the in the mid noughties what we had is we had the first million pound winning cheat on who wants to be a millionaire and it was actually a craig david question that exposed it because he did a 50 50 and was left with whose album was called born to do it and he said oh is it A1 or is it Craig David? <gasps> I've never heard of Craig David. Then there's a cough in the background, which is the guy telling him, mm, no, you're wrong, mm. it's Craig David. And then after he goes, I'm going to choose A1. It's A1. <coughs> I'm going to choose Craig David. <laughs> well done, you've won £500,000. <laughs> so it's so Craig daft, David became it? re-famous for being the artist that this guy said he didn't know, but mm. then chose and then ended up going on to win a million pounds. Yeah. Then the, well, so this was, Craig David was the bit in the program where the producers in the background went, hold on a second, what the hell's just happened? Mm. Then when they, they checked tape and they started figuring out they realised yeah there was a coughing scenario yeah. um, and they all got done but more importantly five years later than trend obviously because it's me I had the Craig David facial hair that you'd have seen uh, at this time yeah, yeah, yeah. where I had the tiny tiny little half moustache that goes down <laughs> the side of my mouth down to my chin and then the go faster stripes back up to my sideburns had that in 2005 looked good if, really sexy I'm looking at you yeah. now if you shave those side panels off you could very easily get it back I could get it back. It yeah. was a thing. I could, I could, I could shave the Craig David bit into my face with my eyes closed because I could feel exactly where the razor went along the bones of my, like the bones of my skin and stuff, or the bones of my cheeks. I could do it all. Yeah, I'm not bringing it back, no, but no. it was a thing for way too long, mm. and I'm proud of it. Loved it. Let's get into what was number two this week. It was Sweet Female Attitude and Flowers. Man, this is such so a in, jam. It's just so infectious. It makes me. It, it reminds me of because it got played a lot of my university days, and I can just hear us all mm-hmm. sat around in the kitchen listening to it. It's such a. It's just so infectious and nice. Um, my flatmate Tom wants me to make it known that he has this on vinyl, and he's very proud of having oh, it on vinyl. So yes, we do hear it quite a bit. Um, oh, well, he'll have all the versions then, really. I think he does. Yeah, I think he does. This is a really interesting story because it wasn't originally a garage track. No, nope. it was an R and B track produced yep. by Cut Father and Joe, who mm-hmm. are a kind of legendary pop music production house. They've done tracks for Five, Ace of Bass, Freak Me by Another Level, which we're going <laughs> to kind of mention Dane Bowers very in the near future, and a song that's coming up very soon from Atomic Kitten in this program. So, you know, a very legendary pop production, but this was all scrapped. It wasn't going to go anywhere because the Garage version came in by Seri Evans, and this was the one that shot him to fame. And aren't we glad that it did? Aren't we glad that that happened? Absolutely. So this is the Sunship remix. And what was really important for this is the fact that by this point, Garage was all London because it was a spin-off of like house music and things being sped up and all of that kind of crack. But these girls were from Manchester. Yeah. So what we actually had is we had Garage now break out of London and all of a sudden, yeah, it's in the other biggest city or one of the other biggest cities. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, it's number one and number two in the chart. So like, it's just so, so massive. Um, it's a sample though, which is what you didn't see with kind of hip-hop and garage at no, this point. No, I know that. So um, there's a really, really subtle sample in it, which is, I think it's pronounced Eric Satie, and it's Twa Gymnopedis. So if you, like, Google that, you'll be able to hear just the really subtle 
striptease in the background. But if you listen to that Eric track, right, that Eric track is if you're ever highly strung and you need something to chill the F out to, you just need that for just listen to three minutes of it and your mm. world will change. Um, it's just such a subtle subtle piano two two notes in a piano pretty much and it's just it's just brilliant but nice. the good thing about it is they were as much as they released more stuff they've gone down in history as a one-hit wonder yeah they have mm-hmm. I've, I've been reading a little bit about why this has happened some people said that the garage boom didn't last as long as was hoped that when they released their album a year later the garage thing had kind of gone away and it was kind of being released mm-hmm. to a market that wasn't as appreciative as it was would have been a year ago is that is that the case did yeah. garage kind of fall off a little bit if garage reached me in northern ireland never having been to england and never have been in london and i was starting to like it the underground people that started it will have hated it so attitudes will have will have changed so mm. yeah to get it that quickly overground because even Craig David's vibe changed you know he started to do ballads and things as yeah, well yeah, but yeah. yeah things things were were different but there was more people coming onto the scene the sugar babes were getting ready to appear and yep. they sounded really unique to the point where when the sugar babes come out with overload people were like who are these three girls they can't sing but actually what they were doing was genius and whoever managed to blend them three brought out mm. something pretty unique but on the the notion of the sugar babes DJ Spoonie, who was like one of the biggest garage DJs at the time, he did a classical tour last yeah. year. And after years and years and years of Sugar Babes legal battles about who owns the name and all of that kind of crack, the original three Sugar Babes got to perform with Spoonie as the original Sugar Babes and they sang Flowers mm-hmm. by Sweet Female Attitude on the classical tour. And it's amazing. It sounds a bit like this. I'll bring you flowers in the and they did that in graham norton as well which was yes. just absolutely class but this the song is just timeless this is the this is the song i've had remastered and remixed the most in 10 years i've been on the radio this is the one mm. that everybody tries to have a go at and um you can't touch the original but it's just such a big deal and a big track to so many people my god what a tune like again timeless it's gonna live on it's gonna live on and live on and live on we've started with two massive contenders here uh, if anything this two tracks in i think are we safe to say this is the most difficult episode so far oh two tracks in w- one million percent yeah no <laughs> doubt no doubt at all no doubt at all Shall we stay in Manchester, but go for a totally different vibe altogether? I think we will. Okay then, so we've got the return of Oasis, uh, and we've also got a member of the Verve, but we'll do Oasis first. This is the second single from their 2000 album, Stand on the Shoulders of Giants, and the track is called Who Feels Love? Thank you for the sun, the one that shines on forgot this exists mm. and there's kind of good reason for it and this mm. is me going so, so so last week at the start of the episode you were like it's so big it's so big it's so big and you were grumpy most of the way through the episode yeah. but this one for me is probably the one that i don't want to grump about that i'm most likely to grump about because mm. i forgot it exists yeah if somebody if somebody was asked this or asked to name an oasis track on pointless this would be the one oh, that yeah. gets you the star prize because it is very pointless. nobody really remembers it. Um, 
and it's just a bit like too trippy for me this for me right you know those house parties right this is a house party track where everybody's sitting around listening to oasis everybody then's fallen asleep on the sofa and the album's still playing and this is the one that it's got to later on down in the album don't get me wrong your mate johnny's still completely like going for it thinking he's a glass but he's the only <laughs> one in the room awake but mm-hmm. this for me is a it's deep into the album everybody else has passed out you're having an oasis party and it's the forgotten about one unfortunately mm. well the whole it's a it's a weird it's a weird second single isn't it because it's it, it doesn't feel like a good single to put out but then you think about what the album was and there really isn't, isn't any good singles yeah. it's not it's not a good album it's a really bad record in terms of oasis as hit making mainstream indie this is just not what oasis were i mean fair play to reinvent i've got no problem if, if you're going to reinvent and i and i know i said a few weeks ago about the, the word pretentious being used as a synonym for ambitious but please do me a favor i i, I have to draw the line somewhere and it the, the line is very much here or, or actually way way further forward than this this is a really strange anomaly for oasis because right you know oasis fans don't buy singles they buy the albums so mm. yes it got to number four but actually it's kind of like everybody who wanted an oasis album that didn't own the album at this point bought the single because yeah it got to number four but people only bought it that week didn't get a silver status so after that first week no one bought this again Nope. So it's it's such a strange track for Oasis. And like I don't like to ditch Oasis at all because they're so so important to teenagers and they're one of those bands that help people find themselves when they're going through hard times, but they're also that band where kids sit down and force themselves to listen to Oasis back catalogue because they are determined to convince themselves to like Oasis. Yeah. And that sits well with it. me generally. Mm. But it is an important track. But the whole thing is is like is this track the definition of juxtaposition? This song, when you look at the lyrics, is actually so positive for Oasis, mm. but it's so dreary and drab and yeah. miserable that actually you you don't know where it's meant to be and the lyrics are completely lost on you. Again, yeah. unless you're that kid yeah. sitting at the house party while everybody else is asleep and you're in a complete different world loving this individual song by yourself. It's it's <sighs> just it's a weird one for me and yeah. it is no rock and roll star and what I want from Oasis is a rock and roll star. <laughs> yeah. It's it's such a chore to listen to. Like it's really like it's just I just I didn't enjoy any of it. I found it such a slog, and that's such a shame for a band that's done so many joyous tracks. That there's mm-hmm. just nothing really to ring out of this. If be here now, the last single was Oasis doing Sergeant Pepper. This is them doing Revolver or the White Album, or as I'd like to call it, considering the situation they were in, the White Powder, because this uh. is a band that's been told that they're very important and it's gone shot right to the head like the production of this the actual texture of the production is quite layered but it's so unsatisfying to listen to like you can tell they've really labored over the production and made it as as like multifaceted as possible but actually it's Mm -hmm. just horrible it's just really really not an enjoyable time and it really you know it really pains me that we're covering these oasis tracks first it's the same for a lot of artists who've you know, past their past their best by this point. Um, yeah, we've re- we've really missed out on their best work. Luckily, I think things do recover. But like mm-hmm. this particular brand of, of Oasis is just they haven't been told to snap out of it yet. They've been indulged too much. They're just being allowed to do what they want to do too much. And what they want to do is just rip off the Beatles really, really yeah. badly. I mean, the B side to this is Helter Skelter which is from the White Album. So if you weren't in any, if you were under any assumptions that this wasn't some kind of Beatles ripoff, just flip it over and you'll find out that it totally is. 
So I'm sorry, Oasis, and it's just it's just not good. It's just really not good. That's what I remember at the time, though. I remember people being like, they're trying to be the Beatles now. This is like whenever Kanye West tries to be Jesus. It's just, <laughs> it's a it's a void time. It doesn't yeah. really work for these things. But, you know, at least, at least off that album, we got Go Let It Out, really. But mm. not the best for them and pretty disappointing at the time. We'll stay in Manchester, but we'll move on to something that in, in my mind is much, much better. Much, much better. I'm glad this exists. I'm glad this can counter what we've just received. This is Richard Ashcroft, formerly of The Verve. This is his debut solo single called A Song for the Lovers. is my intro juice this is gripping and actually i want more of these strings before anything else comes in i need those strings at the start for longer maybe there's a different version of it going around than the one i'm used to Mm, possibly gripping straight away love 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 the start of that good job richard ashcroft Mm. um it's a as opposed to the the oasis track and and then he said the beatles there but you can just you know um very interchangeable the this track production is just as layered. You know, it stacks up pretty nicely. It starts doing new things all the time. It's always going towards something else. It isn't just sort of trudging in that psychedelic mush that Oasis are doing. This is always changing and going forward somewhere. It's got an, it's got a tempo I can get behind. Like I have said before, if I'm going to choose a track to win this series, it's got to have some kind of tempo. And I know Pure Shores doesn't particularly, and it's kind of an anomaly in that regard, but, you know, this... This moves really nicely. It's got some nice Latin guitar. I like a bit of Latin guitar. You know, actually, I found that it it drew comparisons too because he has compared it to uh, Love Will Tear Us Apart by Joy Division. Another legendary Manchester mm-hmm. band. You can see why I want to make that connection. But equally, I think there's like, in terms of going forward, I can hear Kasabian in there and I can hear a lot of the most recent Arctic Monkeys album, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, which has been like derided by a lot of people. But the real hardcore indie fans who like those vibes are are really really getting behind it. And I can see Richard Ashcroft as a bit of an influence on that, which which makes me kind of like the Arctic Monkeys record a bit more. So I think his footprint can be felt in music going forward. So to me, that that makes me feel like this is quite an influential track for an influential artist at an influential time especially when Oasis aren't on top of their game I think this is just like a great Britpop post-band solo debut like this is yeah. just such a strong first single after yeah. the Verve considering you know they were massive and people were just completely touched by any noise that the Verve just seemed to make and to come back with this was just really really good I forget and I forgot that it was fast because in my head mm. this was a slow song and then I listened to it and I was like actually the BPM and this and the tempo is really really quick but yeah. I still I still refer to this in my head as being like a chill love song and in fact growing up in Northern Ireland right we had a radio station in Derry called Q102.9 and <clears throat> At 11 o'clock every night, they had this program called Lovers Around 11, mm. which was pretty much just a, a radio show where they played love songs and people had it off all over Northern <laughs> Ireland at like 11 o'clock at night. But my best mate, Craig, used to make me listen to this when we had sleepovers. So I used to be like an early to better. He used to be like, we need to stay up till 11 and listen to Lovers Around 11. I was like, what, <laughs> what do you want to happen in this room? This is totally not, this is totally not us. But um, 
Lovers Around 11 was very ha 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 this was very much a, a Lovers Around 11 lyric and it was just uh, like a great great song but the video for me and this is back to do you remember whenever I said Ian Brown used to scare me a little bit yes um, skinny big haired topless indie boys yeah. always freaked me out when I was younger and there's just a lot of topless boy in this video um, that always freaked me out and he even stops the song in the music video to pee now but imagine if I did a that in this podcast oh you do that's beast. inappropriate oh how dare you <laughs> No, I just think that I think based on this track, this is where from the lovers around eleven thing. I want this to be something like this to be incorporated into Dairy Girls. You know, this kind of a vibe. <laughs> I want it to be like a nineties a nineties love scene. But I really, really like this, and I think that it's mm. just a brilliant, a brilliant, brilliant like Brit pop track that is one of the ones a bit like Blink One Eight Two was bringing us rock into pop. I think this is bringing indie into pop and putting itself forward as a contender. A really important and impressive solo debut well done to Mr Ashcroft I think everyone's been waiting for this one with bated breath waiting for us to talk about it everyone's very 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 excited about it let's do it Destiny's Child say my name So this was one that I've been waiting for since we started this podcast and I didn't know exactly when it was coming but I knew it was coming and at the time didn't love 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 it I loved it but didn't like completely become obsessed with it and then as I've heard it then since it's come out this has kind of become one of my favorite tracks of all time in the R&B sector this is we mentioned the other week about you know them actually being semi-reality TV stars from back in the day, which was a bit of a shock to your system. Yeah, it blew my mind. Wasn't expecting Did that you at research all. and find out any more about it? Because I can kind of fill you in if you want. Please do, fill me in. Right, so they've got a really weird backstory, and this is where we could do a full 40, 50-minute podcast just on the history <laughs> of Destiny's Child themselves. So, right, they formed in 1990. They were called Girls' Time. There was Beyonce, Shining. there was Kelly, there was Latavia, there was Tamar, there was Nina, and there was Nikki. So they were a six-piece. God. In 1990. Then they did their thing and all of that kind of crack. Then they um, ended up going on a program called Star Search, which the manager at the time was really obsessed with and thought, we're going to launch you through Star Search, which was kind of the the 90s version of reality TV. It was like a a proper reality TV program where uh, they Mm -hmm. made girl bands. They didn't win. And then they got formed into Destiny's Child as a four-piece by Beyonce's dad. Um, And that was like after they, they were called girls time for a bit they were called something fresh then they were called cliche then they were called the dolls then they were called destiny then they were called destiny's child um but two of them then at this point thought that he was getting a bit too handsy with the cash then they threatened to leave and then they didn't realize until they saw the music video for this song that they'd been kicked out of the band because then another two people came in michelle and farah started to appear in the band the other two that were kicking off about the money get chucked out and then all of a sudden 
say my name exists with this music video that you can't keep up with because there's so many different people in the video yeah. who are either members, non-members, ex-members, past members, future <laughs> members of Destiny's Child. And then they committed to the album artwork, the four of them, and then five months later, Farrah left because it was too much for her and then they became a three. But that's kind of like a really Cliff Notes version of the drama of Destiny's Child. Mm. And we didn't even mention lawsuits, so. No, like, oh yeah, well. I mean, wild. It's wild. I mean... But bands that have that kind of drama don't normally have the kind of success that Destiny's Child had because they get so bogged down in the political stuff. But, I mean, De- Destiny's Child have always been a very high standard of girl band. And this track cements that, regardless of who's involved. So am I right in thinking that Latoya and Latavia, their vocals are on the track, but they're not in the video? Or they're not front and centre in the video? They Yeah, it's a mix. So they're in parts of the video and they're on the tracks. But then... Michelle and Farah end up in the music video too, but mm-hmm. they're not necessarily on the vocals as such the same way. It was just all really confusing. And that was one of the things that actually this would be this would be uh something that destroyed your career at this time yeah. in pop music. If yeah, you'd have yeah. done that, this would have destroyed your band. But actually this drama was actually the making of them because they got so much attention from it mm. that the whole thing just shot them to even bigger, bigger fame. But you know, ignoring the drama and stuff of it. The song itself, again, we're back to Craig David fill me in here. The story within this is just absolutely gripping. You know, you yeah. can't. And if you've, never, if you've never listened to this song, you need to sit down. Just take a few minutes across the week. Just sit down, listen to the song. Don't watch a music video yet. Just listen to the song, listen to the story, and then go and watch a music video separately um, because the, the drama in the music video and the, the amount of people in it can make it a bit frantic. But mm. the, the song itself, the story in it is just pretty interesting like so so good and it's 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 got different tempo changes the video's brilliant it's just sass it's shade and it pretty much is the the story of like a a female protagonist calling her boo on the phone and pretty much trying to catch him out cheating by Mm -hmm. getting him to say her name on the phone because she knows he's not alone but she's actively trying to get him to fess up and to, to trick him and to catch him out and you know harsh Necessary, yeah, well, well, yeah, necessary. But so well yeah. rolled into a song, really, really good. At the very centre of all of this is the Queen, and it's funny hearing you say about you know this group that they were in came second, didn't even win the competition, because it's so yeah. rare to think of Beyonce not winning. You know what I mean? She's just well, built a reputation up for being a winner. She, I bet she wouldn't even look back on that time of these ta- talent shows and think about not being victorious. That must cripple her. They made a rap. So this is what the thing was, is whenever they, they chose the song that was going to be the song for their performance on Star Search, it was the wrong song choice and it had them all rapping and mm. making Beyonce rap is not you Bad idea. doing it to your best ability because, you know, whenever she met up with um, Latavia, Latavia was the rapper, she was the singer, mm. Kelly lived with her because of family issues back in like the early 90s and stuff and that's where they came from. But uh, that was just the wrong song choice for them at the time and it didn't put them on the platform so could have gone very differently probably the best decision that was a mistake to be made for them Hmm. to be honest if i was gonna destiny's child you and next week then the episode came out of the podcast and you weren't there and you found out because you listened to the episode and you weren't there i'm not saying i'm gonna do this but if i did that who would you (laughs) want to be your replacement who would you want to be the new scott 
it would probably have to be Michelle from Destiny's Child because even though <laughs> she made it into the final band, she was the one that was overlooked for about 15 years, really, because it was all about Beyonce and a little bit about Kelly and not so much about Michelle, really. Give the girl mm. a second chance. But um, what I really want us to do, and I think this is where we should maybe when the, the lockdown's over, if you watch the music video, it's pretty much the Jamiroquai thing of moving floors. It's all yeah. set on sofas, loads of different rooms of different colours over and over again, but they're just bouncing about on the sofas as the tempo changes. And I think we should mm. go to DFS and kind of bag ourselves some like free sponsorship sofas <laughs> off DFS or something like that. But maybe we should reenact our, our video and, you know, <laughs> see how it goes. But yeah, that was a great. I just, I love the fact it ramps up. I love the fact that yeah. it down. If you look at the history of the song, when it was first produced, Beyonce said she hated it. It was too busy mm-hmm. and it was like a jungle. And then they recreated it to be a little bit different to get this. And had she not spoken up again, they mightn't have had that that breakthrough, but Can big producer imagine? on the cards for this one. Big, yes, big this was uh, Rodney Jerkins, known as Dark Child, mm-hmm. did a lot of big tracks at this time. Uh, in the previous, he's done Brandy and Monica, The Boy Is Mine. I mean, that's we've mentioned that yeah. so many times already this series. Uh, Whitney mm-hmm. Houston, It's Not Right But It's Okay, love that song. Interestingly enough, Spice Girls, Holler, and yeah. Let Love Lead the Way. Now, apparently, this is the first track that he made after he worked with the Spice Girls. So he came back from working with them, started working on this. Do you reckon there's some Spice Girls influence in there? Like, you know, didn't they got on his head a little bit and made him sort of think about doing things in a different way to to boost Destiny's Child a little bit? Do you think that's possible? If, if you listen to Holler, like Holler for me, and this is where people are like, you're an idiot. Holler is my by far my favorite Spice Girls track. I know mm. we're still months away from that coming through. Yeah. But for me, Holler is the one that was like a real massive big deal. The story in Holler is great. It's about just kind of being kinkier with men through sex. Don't be afraid to ask them what they want. You know, don't be afraid to let your like your freak out a little bit and, you know, get a little bit rougher and things, which is not what we'd really heard. We'd heard Spice Girls saying, wear condoms, let's have orgasms and shit. But Holler gets really kinky. Um, mm. But he i think he's just a genius and you don't notice until you start looking into the details you don't realize he did holler because it's not one of his big ones because but if you look back at his catalog his catalog is all songs that have really strong interest in totally captivating stories through them Mm, which mm. is you know the it's not right but it's okay you know whitney houston the brandy monica the boy is mine same name you know he's he's like i think one of my favorite producers in all-time history that i'm aware of Mm. yeah i have to agree big deals Big Big deals. We have got another girl band for you now. A British girl band, all from the north, which means that I've got to kind of be about that because I have to represent my people. This is Atomic Kitten and Sia. follow destiny's child with atomic kitten no i feel like we've made a bad choice by doing that to be fair like there's there's no comparison at all is there no comparison this sounds so dated it sounds cheap compared to say my name but yeah it sounds cheap and the weird thing is right is we're coming through a time here back in 2000 we've mentioned some of the tracks being really smart with eq like chicane and things like that and robert miles and all of that historically being really good at bringing eq up like the low middles and high and playing with them in productions Mm. Atomic Kitten has that played with in part of their song, but it's just not 
not very good with the way that they've actually done it, which is no. a bit devastating. But I think you would never have noticed had there not been a, an influx of dance songs doing EQs and taking the stuff up and down. I, I don't think they'd have really noticed. But I think, for me, it followed up right now, mm-hmm. which actually, when you listen back to Atomic Kitten right now, it was a bit of a jam. Sounds like this. So I'm not sure if you are aware, but I remember back at the time, loads of people in Britain kept going to America to have their music videos done. And like S Club 7 were doing like LA 7 and they were doing Miami 7 and all of this stuff. So you were not a successful pop band at this time if you didn't go to America. And then eventually green screen came in. Things were more technologically advanced. Money Mm -hmm. wasn't there. So people stopped going to America. But Atomic Kitten shot the video for this in America, which just goes to show how confident their management were. Yeah. about having them actually release this track and it to, to do really well but um, it was smart in many respects and again you know the obvious thing with Atomic Kitten here is you know there was a gap in girl band because Bewitched had just finished up yep. Spice Girls were doing a lot of their solo stuff and Spice Girls were becoming much more mature we needed a bit more bubblegum stuff but mm. this one was on a scale between Bewitched and Spice Girls and they did get the timing right to bring Atomic Kitten to the mm. scene really you know, yeah. well done to all of them involved, really. It's very fluffy, isn't it? The word the word I came back with is fluffy. It's fluffy, it's kitty, it's bubblegummy. Um, it's no classic, is it really? It's not, it hasn't lived, it hasn't lived much of a life since. I forgot that it even existed, right? And then when yeah. I watched the music video and I saw Kerry Katona, I forgot I used to fancy <laughs> Kerry Katona. And mm. if somebody had said that to me, I'd have been like, I don't think I really fancied Kerry Katona that much. But actually, I fancied Kerry Katona up until this music video where I saw her run. And she runs in this music video like Phoebe of Friends or Kermit the Frog. And that put me off her for years. And I was like, why, why would you Why would you run like that? And then allow the director to keep you running in the music video. And then I realized yesterday, so like, what, 15 years later, as I zoomed in, she was wearing them jumper things in the bottom of her shoes. You know, them pogo shoes. Oh, God. They were all moon, wearing pogo shoes. So she, yeah, so she wasn't running like Kermit the Frog. She was bouncing on these running things. And I just completely got like the, the wrong impression, really. But see ya, more like see me, not your best work. Right, let's do some classic trance going back to the start of the decade for some sash. But first, rank one, an airwave. What a time to be alive with trance music. So the premise of trance music is that this is about getting your head into a state. The music just does everything. You don't need to drink alcohol. You don't need to do anything more serious. You can just listen to trance music and it will just completely take you away no matter what Mm. your your zone and stuff is. You've been in a radio studio with me. You know that trance music makes the hairs on my arms stand up. It does, yeah. This track still still does this in fact the radio edits of it don't do it justice because it was properly released in like 1999 and the the original version is much trancier and they did try to make it a bit more subtle for radio play but 
it was just exactly what trance was about it was euphoric mm. it was really good and in fact have a listen to the 2003 version here where they put some vocals onto it this is breathing 2003 and this you know that you just lose your shit to it like you really just lose your shit to it if you like dance music this is brilliant and it's you know it's tracks like this that made it easy to just be the designated driver on nights out the best thing i can say for it given these weird times we're in when i feel very emotionally conflicted and puzzled and all that kind of stuff i watched the video of this and i felt something i felt a twinge like i felt life um (laughs) i felt i felt something flow through us and that's a big big compliment this was number 10 in the charts so it wasn't the biggest dance track you know it wasn't a Shakina Brian Adams it was still very very specialist and you know we I don't need to discuss it anymore really because it isn't going to be a winner for me but it's a winner in my life like this is one of Mm. my favourite trance tracks of all time but it doesn't necessarily for me like really fit this episode it just so happened that it did yeah get get to top 10 and the radio edit isn't on par with the the one a few months before but it just is a, a huge huge deal and mm. it's such a special track to me and I, I love the 2003 version some people are really anti-vocals going on top of stuff but this is like if you would if you will self-confess as having been a dance music snob because dance music was looked down on especially by kind of like indian rock kids this is something where you know if you've got a good pair of hair, headphones and some space just sit and listen to this and see if it just gives you any sort of physical reaction um, if it doesn't give you a physical reaction it's probably not for you but there will be more trance tracks in the future that will will do that but it's mm. a special track a very special song yeah it's very futuristic sounding like this at the time must have felt mind-blowing like, that's the kind of impression i get as somebody who wasn't there like i just kind of went whoa this is like this feels big it feels it feels momentous so many of them were these these were songs that were being designed for super clubs so mm. abitha had the best super clubs and these were designed for holiday goers they weren't designed for radio play yeah there was a radio edit and they chilled it down a bit but these were for those moments in clubs where the DJ just dropped something and you just become hypnotized. It was just there to hypnotize you. This is some Durham Brown shit here. <laughs> that was just there for super clubs. And the fact that it left the super club and got daytime airplay on some stations is as massive. Like I don't think in the dance music scene, you can really understand how important this song was. And mm. yeah, open your mind, go and listen to it, go and explore. There's not loads of back catalog from rank one, rank one, no, lots of no. remixes, but you know that yeah that's there's no more for me to say that's just brilliant right then let's get some more trance now they've finished their fingering finger me and now they are just around the hill this is sash This is so much faster than I remember it being. Again, in yeah. my head, this was the one that Sash did. Was, that was a ballad, and I didn't like it that much. I love Mysterious Times. Tina Cousins is great. Yes. Um, and she's the vocalist on this one. But mm-hmm. I didn't realise it was so actually fast, because it's all about the vocals, and it's all about the lyrics, and 
yeah, it's it's odd. I I'm gonna be horrible to Sash. I don't like it. No, and I have Sash's greatest hits. I don't like it. Number eight. Mm. I don't like it. Um, it's not gripping enough compared to you know we're coming th- we're coming through in Corinthians, Atlantes, Ecuadors, mm-hmm. and all of this mysterious times. This is this is like again the thing that I'll always reference. This is oh we need to chuck out another track off the album before we bring a new one. Yeah, so we'll we'll yeah. chuck out that. I think I'll go along a similar vein. I'll say that you know mysterious times, Atlante, other tracks, you know, color of the world. They are not wishy-washy. They're not on the wishy-washy scale. Whereas the, you could say that this has got an element of being a bit like. You know, like there's a message in there that's quite hopeful and I like that, especially now, but mm-hmm. it doesn't do it very impactfully. It is kind of forgettable. I kind of can't hear it in my head at the moment. I'll tell you what, I do like it a lot more than though. Imagine by John Lennon. I think there's a, there's a certain, <laughs> there's a certain thematic similarity, but this is more my tempo. So I like it. The fact that you've said you can't even really remember what it is like, right? This is what my point is and I've written this down. The hook in this song is vocals only. There's nothing Sash has done production-wise that mm-hmm. works or Sash does not seem responsible for anything, especially if Tina Cousins has gone and written those vocals. This is Tina's song. This isn't a Sash song. And actually, yeah. he hasn't really done anything. It was lovely to hear it again, but I think this would work way better as a different restructured song, more in line with what Pure Shores is. So it doesn't need to be as fast. It doesn't need to be as techy, but I think you could have William Orbit do something pretty different with those vocals and make mm. it a much better track than what Sash has done with this one. Nice story, beautiful vocals, can't can't fault it, but it yeah. isn't a Sash track. No, it's uh, it's 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 fine. It's like a would you say like a five or a six out of ten, or or maybe even less than that for you? I wouldn't go less than that, no, because no. I think that would be really unfair to Tina Cousins, who's sing on on it. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. I'd give it a five five and a half. Fair enough. Diplomatic. I like it. Right, we have got three more tracks to cover. They are all from solo female artists, all kind of doing very different things. We'll start with Jessica Simpson, her debut single. It's called I Wanna Love You Forever. This was dawned as the new Mariah. She was such yeah. a, a big vocalist and such a hyped person whenever she started. And I, if somebody had said to me yesterday, Jessica Simpson, I'd have giggled. Yeah. Because I never, ever reflected on her as actually being as talented as she mm. was because I mm. remember her from reality TV. Yeah. But Jessica Simpson, this is a class, 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 class debut single. And I didn't think oh. I would ever say that about Jessica Simpson. Oh, oh my god, it is I am, so good. I'm so relieved to hear you say that because <laughs> I, I mean, I want, one of my notes here is just fuck. Like she just nails it. Like she, I got goosebumps watching it and listening to it. I think she just, the, I mean, the Mariah stuff definitely, especially considering the Mariah track we covered a few weeks ago, which was let's face it, shit. Um, this yep. is just wow. I was totally blown away by this. I forgot it until the chorus kicked in and then whenever I heard the mm. chorus it just completely gripped me again and I was just really really 
really shocked but I think that like as much as it's a great first track it's just a really really good love song and it I is. think I really don't ever really have much to say about love songs but this could be a wedding dance like this could be a proper first I, wedding song it might be and we just didn't know this until this moment but yeah you know, did you have your first dances jessica simpson i want to love you forever <laughs> absolutely fantastic now this is this is what i want westlife to sound like this is the, where i want westlife to get their tracks to and they don't yeah yeah i know what you mean i do um it's a really 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 impressive vocal performance and certainly that's some way to set your stalls isn't it like to go out with that big first track and go right here we go it's very different to Brittany and christina um she is going for that same sort of virginal sanitized vibe you know they're not, they're not positioning her as a sexual object she's got a background yep. in christian music so there is that kind of you know white holy image and certainly she does go down a path at some point that it's not it's not quite as dirty as christina um and it's not quite as outrageous as Brittany. But certainly she loses credibility as the years go by. And it's such a shame. As you say, like, people now sort of giggle at Jessica Simpson. But this track, I don't think she deserves the shit she gets based on this track. I'm not sure what comes immediately after this. But I do know that, like, 2004, she starts going kind of more mainstream and kind of the label are forcing her into some different paths that she doesn't really fit yeah. with. And of course there's a reality TV show, which kind of nobody ever comes out of reality TV looking particularly good or credible. There's no real direction for her after all of this. The, the next thing that she does that's really significant is these boots are made for walking, which was the Dukes of Hazard soundtrack, which funnily yeah. enough, my brother, when I was on the phone to him earlier, my brother was saying, watch Dukes of Hazard with Adam, my little nephew the other day. <laughs> and she said, Adam loved it, but he kept going silent anytime that uh, Jessica Simpson was on the screen. So I think my, mm. my, my, like, I think he might be nine years old. My nine year old nephew's starting to like spot Ooh, things and yeah. Jessica Simpson's was one of them. But the reality TV side of things was dead interesting because she was in theory like, this different era of reality TV stars. So you had mm. um, you had Paris Hilton and Nicole Ritchie doing their reality TV. You had Nick Lachey and Jessica Simpson doing newlyweds. But she really just played up to the dumb blonde characteristics. And I think reality yeah. TV wise, she was given some of our best one liners for stupidity. You know, yeah, oh, I don't, yeah. I don't like buffalo meat. I didn't realize buffaloes had wings. No, Jessica, <laughs> that's not what they are and she also <laughs> said one of the things which was one of my like my favorite things anyway so is is this tuna chicken or fish <laughs> because she was eating what was referred to as a brand of chicken of the sea tuna <laughs> you know tuna in america is known as being the chicken of the sea and she yeah. just was so confused by the whole notion but we when my me and my wife went to america on our honeymoon we were in um la of all places watching mm. the telly in la and there was this really goddamn awful film on that you know when they're so awful you love them yeah and we loved this shit film and it was called private valentine and it was jessica simpson and it's crap and i love it and you've got to go and watch it just because it's this pop it's this pop star who gets robbed who gets dumped on the street sleeps outside of an army u.s base kind of a thing and then gets recruited to the army and she's like just stupid the whole way through and it's wow. it's brilliantly terrible and i now have re reignited my love for jessica simpson and i've got to find this film from 2008 <laughs> Oh, uh, final point. We've mentioned Claire from Steps in the past as a very, you know, mouthy performer. Uses a lot of the range of the mouth to really. <laughs> Jessica Simpson has probably snuck under the radar and is a contender for that crown. Even if she doesn't win the the, the naughtiest naughty, she might get the biggest mouth 
when it comes to singing I feel pop like songs. have to ask Nick Lachey about that. You know, is she the mouthpiece? Moving on, moving on, moving on, moving on, moving on. Let's get into Tony Braxton. This is called He Wasn't Man Enough. <laughs> And again, produced by Rodney Darkchild Jenkins. A very good production. It was a Grammy winner uh, for Best Female Vocal R&B Performance in 2001. The production, it, it kind of smothers the voice a little bit, I found. But, like, Tony Braxton's voice is... I mean, it's, it's miles apart from anything else we've covered so far because it's just such a different tone. It's so... She just, just is distinctive. so... Oh. She's too forgotten in the UK for my liking. Like, I don't know how much of a, yeah. a player she is in America and whether her name's always in the tip of people's tongue, but I do feel like she's been really forgotten here. Mm. And her lower register and the way that she sings is intense. You know, what we've just heard in theory is actually just the backing track. The chorus is backing singers. She's not really singing on the chorus. So the bit that we've heard doesn't do her justice. I mm. think what we've got to do here is let her... Let's do a bit of a verse where we can hear how powerful her low register is and how she's so much more distinctive than everybody else. Who do you think I am? Don't you know that he was my man? But I chose to let him go, so why do you reply? I got to care about him. See, it's so good. Yeah, Question though, dark child wise, is this lesser than say my name? I'm going to say yes. I am going to say yes, but I will say that he is a good producer and it shows here. But yeah, not as good as saying my name. No. What I love about this, right, is so we know him from Brandy and Monica, The Boy Is Mine, where girls are fighting over men. Mm. Then we know him from Say My Name, where girls are trying to trick Invo out of men as a protagonist. And this one isn't that. This is her giving a man away, going, you can have him. I dumped him. He begged me to take him back. And I said, no, and now he's married you. So don't you start coming at me. You can have him. You're welcome to him. I don't want him. And I think that that alternative view of it gets extra points for me because mm-hmm. it's actually really really strong message wise and you don't realize that because tony braxton's name's not on the tip of our tongue anymore but when mm. you listen back to it you realize fuck that's a really good song yeah i get tony braxton and tony basil mixed up which is a bad mistake to make but <laughs> hey ho um nme who we've already spoken about in the past as uh a bit snobby in this sort of time um there's been certain things that I've brought back that you've kind of gone, yeah, but they would say that. This is actually quite complimentary. It says Braxton can probably claim the best set of tonsils in soul pop. And that's true Ooh. because, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a good line, that, isn't it? It's a good line. Uh, she she is so distinctive and I, I just think she's incredible. I love it. I think it's really, mm. really good. And congratulations to Tony Braxton. That is, that is, for me, better than Unbreak My Heart because everybody knows her for that. And I like this mm-hmm. so much better. Mm, mm interesting we've got one more track to come now i feel like this could go either way i'm not sure where you're going to go on this Um, i'm not sure if we're on the same page or not at all but this is mandy moore and candy It's hard to think that she was 15 when this track was released in the US. She was 16 when it was released here. And she's actually the same age as me. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Yeah. Does that make you think better of it because you know she's just young, just starting out, can't be too harsh. I now understand why it was called Candy and why it was actually pretty PC and respectful. And I, at the time, thought it was quite childish. But I understand now that it was really appropriate because she was so young. And what you don't want her to do is come out and be like, face down, ass up. That's kind of a thing. But (laughs) I think she's been really, really good. And I don't have much to say about it apart from I think that it's just it's a really good, happy blue skies, friends, good time. A track that was just really appropriate during the rise of American teen movies. And it makes me feel really happy, Mm. even though she didn't really do anything else successful after this. She's, She's like supported some big names, but... That was it in the UK. We never really get a chart performance from her again. Mm, well, she toured with NSYNC and Backstreet Boys around this same sort of time. Imagine being 15 year old and going on tour with like Justin Timberlake and NSYNC. Oh man, it's just, it must awesome. just be so, you must just be like just stunned the entire time. I mean, I imagine you get used to it and you get, you know, it becomes easier because you're, you're working with them. But like, it, it's it's such a culture shock to be working with some of the biggest bands, you know, in the planet. And you're just a 15 year old girl still in school, I imagine. I mean, it's mental, absolutely mental. That's just so impressive, really, I think. But I'm, I'm really generally pleased for her. But is it going to be my winner? This is exactly why it's been such a tough, tough, tough week this week, because we have had big songs big Mm. big songs i will say though i mean it's not a bad pop production i think she's been badly advised on certain pronunciations of certain words and sounds there's some cringy things in there that are a bit like oh don't do that um i think i'm allergic to this i listened to it and it came (gasps) out in hives it took me 30 seconds to get into it and then actually whenever i did get into it i happily went towards it but i understand why you know we we do vow to listen to as much of the songs as possible. Yep. I could have turned this off pretty quickly, yeah. um, but I'm really glad that I didn't because I think it's that whole, whenever I shocked myself with Jessica Simpson, I was like, right, when I get to Mandy, open your mind because she doesn't seem like she's an obvious winner. She could be. But generally, I just thought it was like nice, nice, you know, nice, well done, Mandy, nice, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gro- groundbreaking, not really. But again, no. it's just a, a marketing thing. And to be 15 and to pull this off and to have done what she's done, like that's way more impressive than anything I was doing when I was 15. What were you doing at 15? You don't want to know because I think that I would get arrested. (laughs) I think we'll leave it there then. Thank you. Okay then, 11 tracks. I think probably the hardest week so far. I think there's maybe even harder weeks to come, if you can believe it, but this week has been very strong. We've both got very tough decisions to make. Oh, where do we begin? Scott, do you want to go first with your contenders from this week's tracks? I will. Big, big week. This is actually really difficult because I'm going to list loads of things off. Tony Braxton, he wasn't man enough for me. Big contender. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Rank one airwave, obvious contender. Destiny's Child, say my name, contender. Richard Ashcroft, a song for the lovers, contender. Sweet female attitude, flyers, contender. And Craig David, fill me in, contender. This is exactly why it's such a huge, huge week. Um, Craig David, number one. Obvious mm-hmm, winner, mm-hmm, sweet mm-hmm. female attitude, massive garage track, absolutely massive. Do you want to know which one wins? I would very much like to know what wins. What is your winner for episode seven? Neither of those two. It's Destiny's Child, same money. <gasps> Ooh, right. So now we have a very, very difficult contest because you've spoken up Destiny's Child quite a bit. 
And now I'm starting to second guess myself as to what you're going to go for. Ooh, right, should we hear some contenders from me and then we'll get into what you're going to choose? Yeah, let's do it. I am going to say that um, the two garage tracks are both legendary, so Craig David and Sweet Female Attitude are going to be in my contention bucket. I'm also going to say Richard mm-hmm. Ashcroft. I think that really caught me off guard. I like I like these tracks that surprise me. It's a, it's a similar Ian Brown kind of thing where I, much like you expected, a different tone. I saw a song called "A Song for the Lovers" and thought, "Oh fucking hell, here we go." But actually, it turned out <laughs> be it turned out to be really good. Destiny's Child, say my name, and I'm actually going to put in Jessica Simpson because I was, I think wow. it's it's a track that I want to hear again. It's a track that I, I've I've been thinking about a lot because, um, just seen her in the video doing that typical you know pop 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 star thing of like belting out the big notes the hair's blowing in the back she's a little pretty nice um and i want i want i want i want to feel that again i want to feel that again so it's, it's very out of character for me to choose a ballad like that but i really really liked it a lot oh i am gonna go for my winner this week to be for the second time this series, Mr. Craig David, fill me in. Really? Wow, wow that's so yeah. good. Yeah. That is so good. My See, mate Sarah commented on Facebook saying that this was her jam, this was her winner, and she needed it to win. Craig David, fill me in. Fill me in. Big deal. Now, I've already Such picked... We, big, we, we, big deal. We both picked Awful Dodger in week one, so Craig's uh-huh. already been at the top of our pile already this series. Will he return? Uh-huh. Will he return again? We'll have to find out very soon. But first, Scott... We're going to find out now. NSYNC, bye, bye, bye. Does it stay on for a third week? Or is Destiny's Child going to sit atop your throne for the first time? Can we get a drone? Difficult times because I feel like I really want to do it for the lads. Mm. Destiny's Child, all the drama and the changing and the being formed out of, you know christian schools and singing and performing in churches and things like that does that put me off a little bit the whole thing's just really really difficult but i think that i have to go with producers vocalists lyricism stories harmonies and for me my new winner is <gasps> destiny's child say my name oh i've changed i've changed i've changed, changed i'm so again. nervous I'm so I f- nervous. I'm so nervous. I, I feel like you haven't had the same winner for more than two weeks. I think you're constantly. This, I think oh. it's a good. It's, it's a good sign. Things are getting better. Things are moving forward. It's it, it's 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 mad to think there are better songs than Bye Bye Bye. But I think I think there are. I think there are going this forward. This is the are. one that I felt. I felt the whole way through that we're. I'm, I didn't know when it was coming. Like I said. Yeah. But I feel like I was going towards this one, mm. and this has been sitting in my head for a long period of time. And I must somewhere believe that this is the best pop song of that era and we're there and now that we've done the analysis it feels right that I'm saying that but yes I'm nervous and <laughs> I feel really I, I, I've got an internal struggle because it feels really bad leaving bye 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 behind now but yeah. if I'm going to move on and pass the pass the flag I do think that this is the correct flag I don't sound convinced with my tone right now <sighs> but I'm it's the it's the right one for me. It is the right one. It's definitely the right choice. Destiny's Child. Say my name. Sign seed delivered. Come on. <gasps> wow. wow. Liam. Yeah. Well, hopefully oh, you don't have no. to go through what I've just gone through. Sorry. Drone. Oh, blimey. Well, I mean, we all know how hard it's been to let go of pure shows. And last week, the difficult choice that I had was between that and Blink-182, all the small things. And I've been chastised all week by people who've been saying you've made an absolute howler. And 
I've listened to Pure Shores again this week just to make sure I'm not going insane because people are saying it's good, but is it that good? And, and I know, Scott, you're not that convinced either. And I have to keep reminding myself, no, this is a good track. It is a really good track. You've chosen it as a winner for three weeks now. How much longer can it possibly go on? But then this track comes along, Craig David, to fill me in, and it is just such an impressive bit of work. It's kind of more my tempo. I... I think it's one that I'll put on more than Pure Shores. I think it's one that I get more enjoyment from. A few weeks ago, it felt unthinkable that I would do this, but my <laughs> new winner no. is Craig David. Fill me in. Wow. Oh uh, my goodness. Wow, so Pure it's Shores happened. It's happened. is gone. Did I see this comment? I didn't see this comment. No, I don't think I remember last week whenever I said you'd made the wrong choice. You know what you've done this week? You've made the right choice. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> oh, I still oh, feel... I, still, I love the fact oh. that now we have these two tracks going head to head because yeah. I do feel like if I hadn't have gone with Destiny's Child, I feel like it would have had to have been Craig David fill me in. We have way more similar taste whenever it comes to it than what we would have given ourselves credit for a long time ago, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think certain people have certain aspersions about us that they think we're going to go for certain things, but hey, look, we're here to surprise. We're here. But the thing is, we're here to be honest, and I think the the thing that I keep coming back to this week is that the Craig David track, I've always liked it a lot, um, Yeah, and it was always going to be close, but I think mm-hmm. if I made the mistake again of letting another massive track slip through my fingers, then I maybe couldn't leave the house. I mean, I can't leave the house anyway, given what's happening, but maybe when this is all over <laughs> with, I'll be hounded back in with pitchforks and flaming torches. So I feel like I've made amends. I feel confident. I feel happy. And we'll see how long this one can last. I thought Pure Shores would stick in for a lot longer. And maybe if it wasn't for Phil Meehan coming in this week, then maybe it would have gone for longer. But... But there you go. I've I've done it. We've both we've both changed. I don't think anything other than Craig David or Destiny's Child could have taken my series winner title. Mm. I feel like if I had a push to Tony Braxton or Sweet Female Attitude, it'd have been quite difficult. But I do need to say, Sweet Female Attitude Flyers is massive. Yeah. I think I've already kind of justified rank one airwave as being not a series or an episode winner, but a really important tune that if you don't know dance music and you don't appreciate dance music, it's one to go and open your mind to and give a try. But yeah, we could we could change the way that you, you think here. This is so, so mm. good. But wow, changes yeah. are afoot. Yeah. Things yeah. are dramatic. And wow, 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 wow. Next week is going to be interesting as well because we have got Talker's Miracle by Fragma. We've also got the return of Steps, the return of Westlife. Westlife back at number one again as well. We've got um, a a few really good garage tracks to continue those garage vibes. One of them samples a BBC Saturday Night TV show, which we all know and love. There's also a track from the Bloodhound Gang. That is quite naughty yes. rude. Uh, Ricky Martin shows up and there's also a bit of thong, 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 thong from Cisco. So that's all to look forward to next Friday. Um, S- Scott, I feel I feel energised. I also feel totally wiped out because that was exhausting. That was a lot of good pop music. I feel music. exhausted. Yeah, that I was do, a lot I of feel, good pop like music. I say, I f- it's a lot of music. I feel guilty and I do feel <laughs> like, you know, the discussions need to be had and like I did say at the start, I could have sat and spoken about Destiny's Child for about 40 to 50 minutes and yeah. I reined myself in. So that's brilliant. But yeah, DFS, let's bounce on some sofas, let's do it fast, let's do it slow, let's tell a story, let's do our thing, let's bring in new people, let's kick some people out, and let's just have like a really good release whenever we're out of this lockdown. Let's all go to DFS. 
if you want to get involved in our sofa party or just get in, get in touch with the program and tell us what you thought of the songs or what you thought of the show, then uh, all of the information you need is in the description of this podcast. But we'll return next Friday with more. Scott, pleasure as always. Thank you very much for joining me in my dining room via a nice little video link. Mm, and my lovely cupboard is holding up very nicely, full of coats. I can just like lean, lean against the wall and stroke the furry coat. It's very nice. Stroke the furry wall. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> yeah. well, thank you very much, Liam Milburn. Thank you. And we will see you again next week. Toodle bye. Bye.